it's my pleasure and delight to welcome the Dream team. That is Peter Kuna and Alan McKenzie. Dream had a UK number one hit with Things Can Only Get Better in 1994, as well as eight more top 40 hits from three albums, two of which made the top five. Amazing. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having Thank us. for having us, Claire. You, you make that sound really impressive. Uh, <laughs> it is impressive. It's amazing. Um, and I'm absolutely loving your new single as well, Many Hands. And it's so optimistic, you know, and I know that you guys just want to make people feel good and share that love, don't you, which you do so well. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, actually, but I just want to rewind um, to the early days. So, Pete, you you moved over from Ireland and you were introduced then to the kind of uplifting house scene and indeed to DJ Alan. And right. yeah, you, you invited him over. Jammy Dodgers were consumed, I understand. Ah. <laughs> and the rest is yes. history. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. They fuel fueled by biscuits and something smoky and strong. Um <laughs> well, it was funny because I I've been I've been around that scene for a long time and like a bad smell I could they couldn't get rid of me, um, but I was completely poor and um, I mean Alan's great he took me under his wing you know people would buy me a beer I'd turn up my push bike and go home with all these tunes ringing in my head and all the stuff Alan was playing really appealed to me because it was melodic and uplifting and that was back at the the Brain Club wasn't it Alan? It was indeed you know I used to run the night there and that's what I, Pete was brought along by my ex partner to. Um, she said that it'd be quite interesting. We met me and listened to what I was doing, and maybe we could um, get in a studio together. Which was weird because I had no intention of getting in a studio with anyone. Oh, but, really? <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to make music. It was never. I'd done little bits, but yeah. Just my when I was younger, I had a little drum machine. I remember years, but I was. I wasn't. You know, I just played records and. Yeah. So you were more about the DJ side of things. Initially, well, at first, absolutely, that's what I did. You know, yeah. it's over the. Years. That's a long time ago now, you know. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> but it's brilliant that you guys, you know, still going and everything. Well, a lot of musicians from from where I come from in Derry, if you don't play a guitar, you're not a real musician. Uh, and they would they would slag off DJs and stuff. And I I never understood that because anyone to me that had more who knew much more about music than me, I was always interested in. And I understood at that time it was it whether we realize it or not, Alan. You know, musicians working with the DJs or DJs becoming programmers. And that that was that time. That's was a sort of paradigm shift in music. I don't think it's been repeated since. But, um, yeah, it was good because when I was sitting there, I got, got out and came over to the studio and we were doing this thing. He, the first thing he said to me was, like, make that kick drum last for 32 bars. And I was like, that, no one's going to watch paint dry on a record album. I, <laughs> all I thought about was radio. And he's going, it's not for you. It's for, it's for other DJs so they can line up the tracks and lock them on. So that, that gives you the yin and yang of what we're about. So Alan's got an encyclopedic knowledge of records. I know melodies backwards, upside down, inside out. And so we just put this stuff together and it's, it's, it's a great balance for us. Really, It's good. that perfect chemistry, isn't it, that you've got then? I, I denied it for years. I used to say to Alan <laughs> when I met him, I said, I thought I was a talent. He said, let me stop you there, Pete. I thought I was a talent. And uh, so we just have a laugh about these things. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. And who came up then with the band name? Oh, it's an Alan question. Uh, oh, yeah. Over to you, Alan. Uh, we have discussed a few times. And you know, those, those were our memories are a bit hazy due to our age, but we and we definitely needed a name. We needed a name because we were doing we'd been given some gigs. 
to do. One was at my club, and one was at, I think a couple of other ones. I think we did Great Portland Street, didn't we? That um, that's right. But the chemicals did their thing for you know, when it started out, and um, and we just needed a name, and we just thought. Oh, well, my recollection is that there was a song called "Life in an Old Town Junior Academy," and I thought we made quite dreamy music. So I was like, "Dream," and Pete had some like, making jokes about the Dream Boys, the strip act, and then it was. Just, <laughs> Positive dream, and it's like, well, Magic Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was because the band was having a fine. The influence, it used to be influence. Um, was other, a couple other bands, D, D, D Light, K Class. I, we, you know, yeah, all as well. D Redfall was definitely one I thought about, but we, we threw that one away and we came uh, up with Dream. Funny enough, Alan, um, when we were at the height of our fame, one of my old schoolmates formed a, a tribute band in Derry. And he called them D Redful. No, no, you know you've made it when you've got your own tribute band. But their their signature tune was "Fish Can Only Get Battered." That's what we'll finish the night on that, shall we? Absolutely not. Now let's talk about things can only get better. <laughs> you know what a brilliant song and still universally continually relevant it is the gift that keeps on giving isn't it I mean how fantastic for you guys but what interests me about that song as well is that I understand Peter it took you three years from its conception to the realization it's a funny old one because in its original incarnation it had um it, it sounded more like the Rolling Stones. I know you want that They had that vibe. And um, and I sort of parked it because that band wasn't happening. And then we were working on this remix for the Shaw Twins. Remember, Alan? <clears throat> and it was really pumping. It had the sort of almost yellow-like Dieter Meyer yellow vibe going on. And um, again, Jammy Dodgers and something stronger. And... I was in the room and it just came into my head. This, um, just that walk my path bit, and um, I was like, "What the hell is that?" I was going, "This is this," and so that became one of those sort of catalysts to getting that record pulled together. But I remember I was working in a really, you know, like a Ricky Gervais style office where people were like crabs in a bucket, and they were anytime you showed any ambition, they'd just all pull you back down to the bottom of the bucket, right? So Hi. I was fighting with this girl called Ellie, and uh, she's just sick. They were used to. Just to take the pee out of me, calling me Peter Pop Star because of my ambitions. And I, 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 I'm a very serious young man, took things very seriously. And I was sitting in front of this woman called Rana Gift, Rolling Gift Sister, and we were cutting up bits of paper in this office. And um, something was said to me, just really kind of, I was crestfallen, with tears in my eyes. And she said, cheer up, Pete. You know what they say, things can only get better. And I, I'd never heard the expression before. I went, oh, my God. So I had a, this is how old, it, how long ago it was. It was a little Sony Walkman, you know, the one that had the cassette tapes built into it. So I ran into the toilet and I was like, I got, it just came straight into my head. I went to the week that weekend with my writing partner, Jamie Tetris, and uh, put the chorus down. And then when I sang it to Alan, he was like, oh my God, what is that? And then I was going, well, it really works over this backing track. And then Alan would like make sure that we, we get it down on DAT and take it down uh, to the Love Ranch. Remember, Al? And at the end of the evening, these boys and girls would, when we started playing it out at first, we didn't have the, the vocals on it because we didn't have access to studios. We just had the instrumental. And uh, we just knew then it was something because when they put the lights on, it was the last song of the evening. Everyone just stood and they put their hands in the air. That's where I got the hands in the air thing. Uh, it was like yeah. complete sort of some sort. Of, I've never been to a spiritual church, but this was this was our little 
you know, ha- happy clappers, church you know, we were like, music. <laughs> church music. And everyone was doing this. So that, that's where it came from. That is pretty, I, funny if I listened to that instrumental yesterday for the first time, probably really? since, I don't know, because because we've we've got I've got my dad play and it, it is actually nearly eight minutes long that instrumental. Yes, yeah, it's but they loved it and it it's really sparse as well. Do you remember like we we didn't have all the bells and whistles in it was really clean. Piano would last and big gaps and stuff. So it sort of it set the template for us and we we did know when we had the name and we were doing these gigs and we had these couple of little early ideas. We you knew you had something because people were just they were going mad for it. They just loved yeah. it and it was the first time in my musical career, that I had something that people wanted to buy. Yeah. Do you remember those first 12 inches out of the week they don't sail or return around all the, all the shops? I mean, I went down on my push bike. I had, uh, I must have had five or ten on me. So this is where I you take it into the shop, shop and say, if you can sell yeah, these, great. So if not, I'll just bring it back. Went, yeah, I that's see. That's it. Sail yeah. return into rough trade. And I went back the next week and went, I, I, give me five of those. Give me 10 of those. And it was like, oh, my God, what's that? They're just gone. So you kind of rocketed, didn't you? You went from yeah. that house scene and people loving it. And then, you know, to support and take that. Oh, that was odd. Alan, Alan had had enough by that stage. He, he, he got enough of my pop star ambitions. And um, to be fair, like, as I said to him in hindsight, if we had a stock to our guns, chances are we would, would have been a much bigger stadium act than than we became because i think the top top of the pops and the the um take that thing kind of just really built it on shaky ground and when those kids move on three hundred thousand fans ain't gonna buy your next record you know they'll buy take that's record so it was uh yeah it was, it was good to be able to have the time after you know put the ring down after the 97 election and i had time to just go and have a family and i thought long and hard about all that stuff in retrospect so i could see from a better perspective certainly from a less hectic perspective what was uh what it was all about sure yeah and um and I think as well with your music you came from a um your birth mother wasn't it Peter was actual musician and you found that out when you were in your 20s and it kind of made you yeah. feel connected really to what you wanted to you know if you think you're sitting in that office and and you've got that lady coming up with these words that you're like yes you know I want to be yeah. a musician and they don't understand you um yeah how did that make That's you it. feel well a lot of life I found is dealing with rejection when when you start out in life and you find that the first thing is you've been rejected by your natural parents that kind of weighs heavy. And then, then the Catholic Church tell you that you've been rejected by Jesus until you had your mortal soul baptized. And it's just all that stuff just builds up and up and up. So you're looking for acceptance. And that's what drives a lot of artists. They're looking for that connection. And when I get to this point, I'm 21. We, we Alan and I just met. We were reaching out. The like, best thing was going, ripping it up through the, the, the club charts. And I went back home uh, and I had, there was a letter from my natural mother, which my real, my adoptive mother opened. And I went to meet her and uh, I found out she was the lead singer. And my, my old man was the trumpet player and, and, and lead, I'm basically the musical director of a big band. They were called the Marine Show Band. So it was at that point I kind of realized I had felt my connection to why I was, it made sense why I was doing what I was doing. Because I didn't come from a house of musicians. No, no one around me did any of that stuff, but I still did it myself. So also I realized, <clears throat> I think a good 90% of what we are comes from our parents or our grandparents and what, what we make, the, the difference we make can, can, can only be a small amount, but it is a big small. It's our obviously our fingerprint. But yeah. I realized then it was um it was what I was what I was born to do. I, I really felt um verified 
Yeah, you, know you know just I mean? knew then in your heart and soul, yeah. and that validated yeah. it all for you. Yeah. That's so yeah. lovely. And after yeah. you had your break, then sort of in between times after this height of fame, and then you had your kind of respective family times. Um, over the last ten years, you kind of you hooked up again, didn't you? And you've been doing festivals and stuff, haven't you? And still kind That's of right. keeping, um, you know, your music alive. Alan, tell me a bit more about the festival scene. Well, I mean, we we. We um, after a break, we got back together about two thousand nine, didn't we? We did, we did an album, and so we we got back on it. I mean, it was we weren't doing Glastonbury and stuff. We were doing quite a few big sort of. Big, there's so many festivals now. It's it's mad. People mm. just be. Um, mm. you know, there's all these little sort of mini ones about ten thousand. They're all like village places. So we're doing lots of them. A lot and a lot was a lot of the old nineties bands and eighties bands, but. It was great. I mean, it's great getting out there and playing for these people. I mean, you know, it's 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 um <laughs> yeah. And then we we decided we did it for a few years, and then we kind of I think family got in the way again, didn't it? And things again, and then yeah, just, yeah. just moving house and stuff, and then just mental. And then we started again, and of course we're about to get back on it again, and then we've been. <laughs> We've been told we can't do it anymore. I know. Damn. But it's given you a chance, hasn't it, to actually have time to write your own album. And how exciting is that? I love the title of it. Open hearts, open minds. And the second single we're going to talk about now, Many Hands. Totally love this. What a vibe. I love like, you know, you know, straight away. Yeah, that's a complete you lift that, from the Happy Mondays. You're like, you're going, <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you know, straight away, don't you? That's that 90s vibe, yeah. isn't it? And you're just thinking, yeah. ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, you know, fantastic. So Hopefully how did that happen dance. for you? Like, how did that come about? Um, I don't, you know, I write every day. Um, and one particular morning I got up and I had a really sort of, it's not a Walkman anymore. No, it's the it's the smug phone, you know. Because you know, they're very good, aren't they? Yes, <laughs> they're very good, and they keep them in a list, which is uh, stops me going through cassette boxes <laughs> trying to find out where it all is. So uh, this, this thing came to mind. I was really conscious of some of the people that helped me in my career, including Alan, Raina Shine, your mum and dad, the other mum and dad. We're only here by the good grace of others. And that thing came into my head, and I, I didn't really know what it was, so I played it to Alan. He was going, "That's that's hot. It's really good. We need to." Do this, this, and this, and there's a lot more trust between myself and Alan now than there was in the past. So I'm quite happy to take him at songs in the more embryonic stage rather than finish stage. Um, and, and obviously, sometimes I don't do that because I just I rush it to finish it and it's done. Um, but that's okay. We 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 understand that dynamic, and we really enjoy the process. And he he just sort of kicked it into touch. We said we're going to make a record that sounds like us, and that's what we did. It does. So it's got yeah. <laughs> got pianos. It's got the big moments. You know, it's the the, the groove. And a big, big chorus. And that's, you know, strings, chorus, pants down, hands in the air. All that stuff. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's getting a lot of love already, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> when you write then, you say you write every day. So does it, how does that happen? Is it just like, do or do ideas just come into your head and you jot them? Or do you have sentences or do you have like a portrait by melodies? If if yeah. I make the mistake of going to the loo in the night and I'm I, I forget myself, it'll come in. Something will come in. Yeah. So then I put it down, and then the next thing I know, I'm half awake. But the best thing about subconscious thought is it. I've been working that muscle, the the what do they call it, a neem memory for years, and it just now it's automatically things come out. I have to block it sometimes, but I, I, I make sure I put them down. And the ones that survive are the ones I listen back to. And I always tell young writers that I'm working with never to. 
sit down and say, right, what are we going to write? And then you design it before you write it. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you keep your sketchbooks as you go along. Um, keep in touch with the ideas. See if they survive repeat listening by you. And the real ones that shine will be the ones that lead you somewhere because you'll get a, a, a tonic line. What I mean, tonic line is uh, I have another song working on called Mockingbird. <clears throat> and then I'm, I'll say, well, what's the point of singing a song about a, a Hey Little Mockingbird? And then, well, you just fly on by my words. So that's that's nice because the bird's not only mocking, it's flying past you uh, and, and going, you know, supersonic. So you get these sort of tonic lines and it takes a while for those to click in. And then I'll bring it down and be like, in Meet Me at Midnight, for example. Oh, yeah. I was stuck in a, I can't remember if I said, I made you smile. And then he went, and all is cool. And I went, that's it. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's exactly perfect. what we need. Yeah. And it's just perfect. It's a perfect, I wouldn't have gone there, but that's the that's Alan's vibe. So, so that's that magic between the two of you, isn't it? It definitely so well. more than the sum of its parts, as they say. Yeah, and that's what, yeah. as I say, it's, it's chemistry. Mean, and it really works for us, really works for us. Yeah, because you have had different lineups. You had the professor, didn't you, for a while? But that was right back <laughs> yeah. in the day when he was yeah. doing his physics PhD or something. Did That's he right. help yeah. at that point, you know, with these sorts of ideas? Or has it mainly just been you two, you know, that just the driving force the whole time? It's mainly me and Al are the driving yeah. force here. And, and the thing yeah. about Brian was that he tells a great story about uh, uh, us being his summer job uh, one year when, he, when we yeah. met him. Because the guy who was normally driving us around got sick. And said he should you should check out this band, go and do some work with them. You know, there's plenty of driving if you want it. They're called Dirt, Dirt Ream or something. And I don't think they're gonna go anywhere, but like you can have that job for the rest of the summer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up sort of bonding. And the thing about if you know scientific people at all, they've not got a very practical mind. So when we used to get to roundabouts, we used to think, oh Christ, Brian's driving, pick a number, because we'd end up anywhere, right? And uh so, so it was like it, it was it's evident in the end that he had to join the band because he was a brilliant looking fella. Uh he's totally is the man you know today, he's just that he was that yeah. then as well. Oh. Everybody loves Brian. Yeah. And he just got on the keyboards and we thought, this is great. This is great. Now we'll get another driver. And that's that was it. And, <laughs> and he stayed with us. But he was got it because when I was going to Australia in 95, 96, he came to me and he had a face on him and he's like, Pete. I got, I'm in kind of a corner. I can either finish my degree, I can't suspend it, or go on tour with you. I said, Brian, go and finish your degree. We're probably not going to be happening in a year or so time because we're on our curve, and I knew all about this stuff anyway. But if we are still going, you get your job back, no problem. He said, oh, great, that's that's great, Pete. And off he went, and Brian's got, oh, and we went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm not, I, from, from him watching me on TV, it's me watching him on TV. It's just hilarious. Like, oh, well, you're but back on me up again, nice though, now, aren't you guys? Yeah, I mean, no, you know. No, I don't know how these things play out. <laughs> that's it. Well, you have a, you know, a massively loyal fan base, don't you? And people are very, very excited about all this new material that you've got for us. And um, with your... your your new album you've gone old school as well with it haven't you in the fact that we can buy a physical copy of it which I think is a real treat so tell me about your ideas for you know getting an LP and CD I know well I've been I've been running a record label anyway with my sort of more dance orientated stuff so I had a bit of an idea how it worked I'm not sure we'd necessarily gone down that route had had I'd not had that sort of knowledge because it's and even with that knowledge it's been quite quite difficult just organizing it all but i think pete always wanted to have final i mean the cd you know cd cds but our old school fan base that sort of thing you want something that's great but vinyls without a doubt for me the best if but well, not everyone's got a record player but 
I love it. And it looks, I mean, it looks amazing. We've, we've got them now and they, they look amazing. So it does sound are, a little bit yeah. better off the vinyl. Well, I, I just say. think they are a work of art. Like I don't have a record player, but I would love, you know, just to hold in my hand and stroke it. And and it, like it's mm. really beautiful, isn't it? Like the artwork and everything. And you've got the lyrics it is. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we get excited because you pull the lyrics out. You can see the artwork, and as you listen to the music, you really sort of feel feel a sense of what, where we're coming from. We we didn't know what it would be until we got there, but the, the idea of streaming now, Alan's Alan's other label, he got he got a, I won't even say the check, but let's say it, uh, it it wouldn't even pay for a a cab ride in Birmingham, yeah, uh, from Spotify, and he just rang me up. He says, "There's no way we're doing streaming. It's complete theft." I was going like, "Oh, fair enough, man. Let's let's go and do this this way. We're gonna." Do it on our own label. We're going to pay for the publicity. We're going to go out there and work it and do all we can. This is all before Corona, of course. And you know, now that this has happened, we're still we're still going and doing what we do because partly for our sanity, <laughs> and partly because we need to make some money because we're you know we're not starving musicians, uh, certainly not. But um, no, but it's been time, tough, hasn't we, it? We, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, know you take away, put streaming in, and you get zero zero point zero 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 four cents per stream, and it's then absurd. you have um, so you're not seeing anything. Yeah. It's rubbish. Yeah. It's rubbish. It's you need right, like, you know, it? nearly a hundred streams to make a penny. It's just wrong. Um yeah. and uh none of the bright sparks who've ever come up with this idea of streaming, who've done very well off the back of the musicians, by the way, they, they're still sending 70% of their revenue to the major labels. You've gone, hey, musicians, move off. We've we've really got this covered, you know, you're only getting that. And this is what it's all about. You know, the whole streaming thing's wrong. And couple that with the coronavirus. Uh, you've got a perfect storm. I mean, musicians are, have literally been strangled, you know? Yeah, it's dreadful, so, isn't it? I think but, it's great hey, for us to do this. With- yeah, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant that you've got, you know, the, the CDs and the, and the LPs that people can buy. And the fact that, you know, you're going to be out there again soon touring this album. God willing. Yeah, yeah. we will. So okay, how, listen, what have you got lined up? Few, um, there's Erlam Live in September. Do you know the, uh, the other ones off the top of your head, Alan? Uh, the ones, uh, there's three, I think about three that have been been saved, you know, managed to keep. Oh, yeah, but they've not been scheduled, rescheduled yet. I think everyone's waiting to see what yeah, uh, what Sajid Javid does with uh, the new approach, you know? Yeah, see what A happens lot is writing next. On that. But let's yeah. hope because it's not too long before you're back out there again. Let's hope, let's hope not. Let's hope not. You know, we just want to go and do what we do, which is make people happy because doing that makes us happy and... We walk away fulfilled, and 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 but now we've got a better relationship with our audience than, than ever before. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a two way street now. Whereas in the past, you know, you just did your thing and then moved on. But I've got some some of our fans sending us pictures of their weekend out in the sun with a kid at a garden center, and then uh, someone else is sending me a picture with Jovrel Bank in the background, and I'm going, "Oh, that's my song, Party Up the World." I did that at the top of that, and do you know, that's it's just so it's lovely, really isn't it? It is. So it's nice. like a, a like better connecting. Yeah, then and it, you know it's not it's not as scary as you think because you can handle you know two or three hundred messages in a week. It's okay. It's, it's just like it's like life. It's just a busy nightclub. If you get any busier than that, <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to get a looky likey to answer them. But uh, at the but minute, it it's all managed. That yet? You never know what's hey, going to happen, do hey, you? In let's the future, hope not. Yeah, you've been there before. It could well happen again. But hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's been so brilliant to talk to you both. Thank you so I much. I, I wish you every success with this single and this brilliant album. I love the title, "Open Hearts, Open Minds." You know, it's just what people need. So thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you, Claire. You're a star. Thank you, darling.